Welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to Easter Sunday. And we are glad that you are here joining in with us, celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Now, a Sunday school teacher had asked each member of her class to write one simple sentence on what Easter means to me. Think about that. If you were asked to do that in a classroom setting or otherwise, what would you boil it down to? What does Easter mean to you? One little boy in this class wrote simply this. Easter means egg salad sandwiches for the next two weeks. If you have colored Easter eggs, you might have dozens and dozens of hard-boiled Easter eggs. You might agree with that little one. In another class, a little girl was arguing with her teacher. Her teacher was trying to encourage the class with this powerful and biblical assurance that Jesus is everywhere. But for one little girl, that just didn't sound right. And so she spoke up. She raised her hand high in the air until the teacher called on her. And she said, teacher, I know of one place where Jesus isn't. And she thought, wow, I want to hear what this little girl has to say. So she spoke up and curiously, she asked the girl, where is the one place Jesus isn't? The little girl looked at the teacher confidently with a smile, said, Well, he isn't in the grave. From the mouth of babes, she she had it right. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He is no longer in the grave. Easter recognizes that, yes, Jesus Christ was crucified. He was nailed to the cross. He died upon the cross in your place and in my place, paying the price for our sins. He was placed in the tomb, but he was raised to life. We celebrate that resurrection, being raised to life here in Easter. So those types of things, those are some powerful actions. Being crucified, died, being buried, being raised from the dead. Those are powerful actions of Easter. Let me ask you, what are some of the actions so far of your Easter? What, what has that looked like for you? For, for some, maybe you've gotten up, you've gone and with kids or grandkids looked for Easter baskets or went and looked for Easter eggs. Maybe you've gotten breakfast or gotten a coffee together or gotten dressed and ready. And some of you, you've gotten dressed up and I'm right there with you. I got a suit jacket and dress, pa- uh, dress shoes. Some of you, maybe you've not gotten as dressed. You've got a pair of blue jeans on. I'm right there with you. But whatever your Easter Sunday actions have been, I'm thankful that you've included the house of God in that. Uh, Whether right here in person, watching online, we're thankful that you've been a part of that. And so for the next number of moments, as we spend some time together, I want to share with you a number of Easter Sunday actions. I believe there's a handful of different kinds of individuals, different people. You've come with some different backgrounds, and I want to challenge each one of you with a special Easter Sunday action. So if you've got the Word of God with you, whether that's your physical copy or you've got a digital copy on your phone or tablet, I'd invite you to join with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, it follows Luke chapter 23. Chapter 23, as we mentioned, uh, Jesus Christ went through all of the situations. He was tried. He was crucified. He was buried and placed in the tomb. And so we get to chapter 24, and we see that women are on their way to the tomb. 
But when they show up to the tomb, the stone is rolled away. There's no body. There's no Jesus inside. And they come and they find a couple of gleaming men. These are angels. The angels tell them a pretty powerful statement or question. The angels say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And so the, the women are puzzled. They run back to tell the, the other disciples about all that they've seen and heard. And that brings us to Luke chapter 24, verse 11. As the women were telling all of these things, it says this. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So I believe the, the first Easter Sunday action that I want to challenge many of you with is this. The challenge is to believe. Maybe some of you that are in here in person or some of you that are watching or listening online, maybe you have never believed in Jesus Christ. You've never responded to him. Maybe you've heard some things about him, but you've never followed through surrendering your heart, surrendering your life and allowing him to cleanse and to forgive and to give you a brand new start. I want to challenge you to believe. Believe in Jesus. Now, believing can be a challenge because you and I were confronted with a lot of different things throughout the days and weeks and months, and some of which were definitely believing, and others of which were a little bit more skeptical to believe. For instance, we'll put this up on the screen. Maybe some of you caught this last week at the beginning of the week, Volkswagen, uh, that German auto uh, producer, Maybe you heard about the fact that they were changing their name from Volkswagen because of the emphasis on electric vehicles. They're changing their name to Volkswagen. Posted on their official Twitter account on Monday or Tuesday. It was picked up by national newspapers, USA Today and beyond. Picked up by national news accounts. Unfortunately, it was revealed to be an April Fool's Day prank that was posted a couple days too early. And so we see things and, oh, it's, it's posted by Volkswagen. Now Volkswagen, it's got the certified blue check. It must be right. It must be real. And now we're not quite sure what to think. Or maybe some of you saw Michael Strahan. If you're a sports fan, you know Michael Strahan as the defensive end for the New York Giants, won a Super Bowl. He's now into sports broadcasting. He's got a, a morning talk show, him and, and uh, Kelly Ripa. He posted at the beginning of the week that his gap is gone. Um, if you know Michael Strahan there on the bottom left, uh, he's got a, a large gap in the, in the uh, middle of his two front teeth. That's been, become kind of a signature. And he shared on the video how he went to uh, this dentist and this specialist. He said it was time to get it taken care of. And he showed the video back, uh, uh, background for all of that. And the video ended with him in this smile on the right, out and about uh, encountering some people on the street of New York. The gap is gone, he posted. And yet, of course, what did he post on Thursday? April 1st. He posted another video where he said, April Fools, my mama knows the truth. It's still there. So sometimes when we see things on the Internet, right? How many of you said, well, it must be true. It's on the Internet. 
there's just as many of you who would say, well, it can't be true if it's on the Internet. So we're confronted with a lot of things, and the issue is, what will we believe? There's a lot of people, perhaps here in person or watching, listening online, and you're struggling with what to believe. This scripture here that we read from verse 11, it says their words seemed like nonsense. These women were speaking to the disciples, and the disciples felt, Man, that sounds like nonsense. I saw him crucified. I, he was placed into a tomb, and now you're saying the tomb's empty, and the angels are saying he's risen? Uh, many versions would talk about nonsense and describe that as idle tales. Maybe that's your viewpoint, that you think that things about God are nonsense or idle tales or tall tales. Maybe you're a little skeptical about this whole concept of Jesus. I want to challenge you today to believe and to put your faith and trust in him. I want to challenge you to believe what the Bible has to say about Jesus. There's so many scriptures in the Old Testament that point to the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ who would come, and they would prophesy about what would take place in his birth, in his life, in his death, burial, and resurrection. So I'm going to go fast on this. If you're taking notes, uh, you might get cramps in your, in your wrist as you, as you jot these down. But let me share just a handful, certainly not all, just a handful of what the Bible speaks about Jesus. Psalm 55, verse 12 to 14 indicates that Jesus, the Messiah, would be betrayed by a friend. He was indeed betrayed by Jesus. Zechariah 11:12 says he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. That's the exact amount that was paid to Judas. Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 7 indicate he would be wounded, he would be bruised, and he would be silent before his accusers. All things that came to pass in the life of Jesus. Psalm 22, verse 16, mentioned that his hands and feet would be pierced. Isaiah 53, 12 says that he would be crucified with thieves. Psalm 22, 18 says that his garments would be parted and lots would be cast for his clothing, all of which has taken place. Psalm 34, 20 says that not one bone would be bro uh, broken in his body. Amos 8, 9 says darkness would cover the land at noon. Now, we read that, and, and maybe if you read into the New Testament, you see it mentioned that darkness hit the land at the sixth hour. And you say, six and noon doesn't quite go together. In the Jewish day of reckoning, they would begin the day at six o'clock. And so the sixth hour, you start at six, add six, that gets you to the noon or 12 o'clock hour. Once again, prophecy, believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Isaiah 53, 9, that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, everything that was spoken of about Jesus Christ, the coming Savior, the coming Messiah, took place. I want to challenge you to believe what the Bible has to say about Jesus. But I also want to challenge you to believe what Jesus says about Jesus. I want you to hear some of what Jesus has spoken, his very words from the Gospels about what he said would take place. Again, we go quick. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, he says that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. 
Jesus referring to himself kind of in the third person with this title, as the Son of God, as the Son of Man, he mentioned, here's what will take place, and it did. One chapter later, Mark 9, 31, he said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Again, Mark chapter 10, 33 and 34, the Son of Man will be delivered over to chief priests and scribes, condemned to death, delivered to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Listen, the things that Jesus is speaking about, he's not simply saying, listen, in two seconds, I'm going to raise my right hand. One, two, any, any one of us can do those kinds of things. Jesus is prophesying about what other individuals will be doing to him. So I want to challenge you to believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Believe what Jesus says about Jesus. Believe what history has to say about Jesus. Because for some people, maybe you're a little skeptical. Well, certainly anything that's in this book is going to point to and try to confirm about Jesus. What about anything outside of God's word? Glad you've asked. Around the year 93 AD, Pharisee historian Josephus referenced Jesus Christ. Roman historian Tacitus referenced Jesus Christ indicating that that's how the Christians got their name as followers of Christ, also referenced the extreme penalty, implying the fact that Jesus was crucified. Pliny the Younger, the Roman governor of Bithynia, referenced Jesus. The Babylonian Talmud and Lucian, a second century Greek satirist, did as well. There are countless individuals outside of the Word of God who write about and confirm the fact that Jesus existed and has done what he'd said he did. Believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Believe what Jesus says about Jesus. Believe what history says about Jesus. But I want to challenge you to believe about Jesus for yourself. You see, here's what I know. Many of you, perhaps either in person or watching or listening online, you've, you've had maybe an example of Jesus, a, a family member, a, a parent, a grandparent, a co-worker, a neighbor, a friend, and, and they knew or know Jesus, and that is awesome. But hear me, you and I don't receive salvation. You and I don't get to heaven on the belief of somebody else. It's a decision that you must make. It's a decision that I need to make. I'm thankful for a mom and for a dad who did believe in Jesus and, and who did raise me to know and to love Jesus, but I needed to make that decision. I needed to believe in Jesus myself. And so the challenge for each and every one of you present, the challenge for you watching or listening online is to believe for Jesus yourself. We've got a personal choice, a personal decision that we must make. Deciding not to choose or deciding uh, maybe I'll think about it later is really a choice. That choice for the moment is no. So today it's Easter Sunday 2021, I want to challenge you. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a little bit at the conclusion of the message to respond. And I believe some of you are going to do that to put your faith, to put your trust, to put your confidence in Jesus Christ. How do you do that? 
Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Paul wrote about that. Confess and believe in Jesus. Jesus himself in John 5, 24 said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. So the first Easter Sunday action I believe some of you will need to take is to believe. To respond by confessing your sins, believing in Jesus, and allowing him to forgive and give you a brand new start. You'll have an opportunity in just a moment. Secondly, as we jump back to our text in Luke chapter 24, there's a second action that I want to challenge you with, and that's this. I believe some of you here today watching or listening online will need to remember. To remember. I mean by that there's some of you perhaps you have grown up in church in fact maybe when you were when you were little you were here anytime the doors were open Sundays or Wednesdays throughout the week and and you knew you heard about Jesus you knew about Jesus maybe maybe you were part of Sunday school maybe you really you know what a flannel graph is those that, that fuzzy board with the, uh, the fuzzy little uh, Bible characters that just stick them up on the board. I mean, that was high tech back in the day. You know what a flannel graph is. You were in, in kids' church, in Sunday school. You went to youth group. Uh, you were part, maybe you were part of the girls' missionettes ministry or the boys' Royal Rangers ministry. I mean, you went to camp or convention. You knew a lot of stuff and heard about God. But maybe that was more of a past tense thing. Maybe it's not a reality in your life today to follow after, to trust in, and to believe in Jesus. For some of you, I think it's going to come time to make the decision to remember. Jump back with me. We're in Luke chapter 24. We summarize the first few verses. Let's read them in verse 1. Luke chapter 21, it says, On the first day of the week... Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. There's the, the angels we were talking about. Verse 5, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. So these were women who had been with Jesus, who had heard Jesus teach and proclaim and, and seen Jesus heal and do miracles, and yet they were surprised at what they had seen. The angel said, remember Remember how he told you. Remember what he said. Remember what he did. And then in verse 8 it says, Then they remembered his words. These were women who had spent a lot of time with Jesus, and yet they'd kind of lost sight of the fact of who he was, what he had said, and they weren't quite sure of what was taking place. The angel said, 
it's time to remember what Jesus said. And so for some of you here in this place or watching or listening online, I think the challenge is to remember what it is that Jesus has said. We, sometimes we struggle in our remembering. How many of you are kind of forgetful? How many of you can't remember if you're forgetful? I know I'm getting older and older. There, there's things that, that sometimes, I don't know if it's age, I don't know if it was COVID from last summer, but there's some things that I, I try to think about and I think, now what was that name again? <laughs> I, I know the name of that ride. I know the name of that car and, and it, it doesn't come quite as fast. How many of you, you have something to help you remember? Any of you write notes on your, on your wrists? Any of you, maybe you, you put a little rubber band or you tie something around your wrist. You know, that's kind of the idea of the Live Strong bracelets or the WWJD bracelets. The idea is you would see that and you would kind of remember, either remember about that person, remember about that uh, opportunity or ministry or teaching of Jesus. How many of you, maybe you are phone people and you put everything in your phone. And so, uh, you know, you, if it's an appointment, you, you got to type it in or you write it down on a calendar. It helps us hopefully remember things that are important. The fact was these women had spent a lot of time with Jesus. I'd referenced just three of them. Remember? Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10. Jesus mentioned in many other areas what was going to take place. They'd heard it. They'd seen it. And somehow they went away from it and they were forgetful. But the angels mentioned they needed to remember. I want to challenge some of you today, perhaps. You've heard, you've spent some time with Jesus. You've spent some time in church and in ministries. You've, you've spent some time in Sunday school and in boys and girls and kids and youth. And, and you spent some time at church, many of you right here in this church. But maybe you've not been living in response to believing and confessing and walking in obedience to Jesus. I want to challenge you. To remember. Remember the promises of God. God has promises to heal and strengthen and encourage. There's so many incredible promises that are here in the Word of God. For many of you, uh, you probably learned and even memorized some verses of Scripture when you were young. And what's, what's incredible is many times God kind of brings those things back to your remembrance even as you grow older. It was interesting this last week. We watched a little bit of television. We watched some American Idol. You know, good singers, not so good singers. But what intrigued me, one of the judges is Katy Perry. Uh, if you know a little bit of the backstory uh, back and, and background, she grew up in a, a Christian home, had a pastor for a dad. Uh, but growing up in that home, she kind of made her own decision. She went uh, a different path, began singing about, I kissed a girl and I liked it, among other things. She's one of the judges on American Idol, and last week as we were watching, she's interacting with one of these young people as a contestant, and she literally quoted a verse of Scripture. Did not give the biblical reference, but it was a verse of Scripture. In her response, in a word of challenge and encouragement to a young person. Listen, God's Word is in there, 
But I want to challenge you to remember and to respond to the things that's been deposited into your heart and into your life as a younger individual, whether that's weeks, months, years, or longer. Respond and remember what God has said. And once again, put your faith, put your trust, and believe in Jesus. 1 Chronicles 16, 15 says, He remembers His covenant, the promise He made for a thousand generations. God is faithful to remember His promises. Remember His power. Psalm 77, 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. Let me encourage you with this. The things that he has done in your life or in your family or in your home or in somebody that you know in days gone by, he can do today. Remember his promises. Remember his power. Remember his presence. Hebrews 13, 5, God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. These are things many of you have heard, many of you have known, many of you have experienced. I want you to remember, and once again, put your faith and trust in Jesus, and remember his forgiveness. Here's what Isaiah 43, verse 25 says. I, even I, God says, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Now, how many of you in here, you've messed up, you've made a mistake in any aspect of your life? I'd venture to say that's all of us, right? If you're writing with a pencil and you mess up, you use the other end. It's an eraser. Uh, if you're typing on a computer or if you're typing on a phone, uh, there's that backspace or that delete key. You're able to delete your errors and your mistakes. God says, I will blot out your transgressions, blot out your sins. And I'll remember them no more. Man, remember the powerful forgiveness of Jesus. The fact that we've messed up. I would venture to say there are times when you have said something and it was the wrong thing to say. You messed up. Or, or you, you, know, you spilled something on somebody. You tripped. You, you, whatever it was. And people don't let you forget about it, right? Maybe you got mad. You said some things you shouldn't. And they kind of hold that over your head to this day. Maybe you did something kind of silly. You know, you, you tripped and you, you spilled your lunch. And all of a sudden that launched you with a new nickname. And people don't let you forget about that. I would venture to say a lot of us would love to have a brand new start. That we would love to experience the new beginning. That's exactly what Jesus does in our life. He comes, he cleanses, he forgives, and gives a brand new start. Remember the forgiveness of God. So for some of you today, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a few minutes to believe. For some of you, it's going to be to remember, re respond to and remember what God had done in your life maybe years previous. And for you as well, to remember and believe, responding to him. There's a, a third action and a, a third group of people I want to share and to speak with today. And the final action is this, the action of sharing. Sharing God's word, God's message, the hope found in Jesus Christ 
with others. Because I know as well, in addition to some who've never responded to him, or in addition to some who maybe knew about him years ago, there's also many who do know Jesus Christ. You've been a Christian for a long time. You have known and faithfully served him. And the action for you today is to share about Jesus. Back to Luke chapter 24. The women had gone. The women had seen the angels. And then we read in verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. It was the women who came back and they shared. They shared what they had seen. They shared what they had heard. They shared what they had experienced. Because how many of you know, when something is good, we share it. If you have watched a good television show, if you've watched a good movie, if you've been a, a part of and watching this incredible ball game, basketball, baseball, football. Man, did you see the ending to that Gonzaga basketball game? They were winning, then they were losing, and then with the last three seconds, they drove the length of the basketball court, took an off-balance three-point shot. It went in. Gonzaga wins. They're headed to the championship game. Did you see that? Whatever your team is, whatever you're excited about, you want to share it. Maybe you've gone to a restaurant. Maybe you've, you've gotten a, something new for the first time as a dish. Maybe you've made a dessert. I don't care what it is. When something is good, we want to share it. And so I want to challenge you. If you know Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, you've experienced the goodness of God. Let us share it. Why? Because good news is to be shared. The news about Jesus Christ, it's too good to keep to ourselves. When you experience the good news of Jesus Christ, when you experience the fact that he has cleansed and forgiven and given you a brand new start, that your sins and mistakes, all the things in the past have been erased, you've got this clean, fresh slate, you want to tell and share that with other people. Share what God has done. What's he done in your life? How has he cleansed and forgiven? Uh, many people would call that a story or a testimony. You can tell others what God has done in your life. He died. He was buried. He was raised to life. He provides forgiveness of sins, that fresh start. Even when, when we've messed up and our friends don't let us hear the end of it, they just keep repeating and repeating and repeating. When we come to Christ and we ask him to cleanse and to forgive our sins, he does. He gives us a brand new start. Share what God has done and share what God can do. What God has done in your life, he can do for others. So many people are waiting for good news because there's a lot of challenge. There's a lot of not so good news. There's a lot of bad news in our lives. In fact, uh, th this past year of, of COVID and all the challenges and hardship, I remember the, uh, the internet web series, SGN, Some Good News. It was an instant hit, just sharing about good stuff that was happening in the world. We want to hear good news. Guess what? If you're a Christian, Jesus Christ has changed your life. We've got the ultimate good news. Let's share it.
1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul writes, We cared for you because we loved you so much, and we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. The good news of the gospel, the good news of Easter, is that God has fixed the problem. The problem is this, we've all sinned. The Bible tells us that in Romans. The problem is this, the wages of our sin is death. I'm going to stop right there. You heard the word wages. Some of you, I saw your, your ears perk up, your, your head perk up. We like the word wages because that, that sounds to us like money. I put some time in and I earn wages. But the Bible says the wages of sin, what we earned as a result of our sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has paid the price for your sins and for my sins. That is good news. And so if you're a Christian, the question is who and where and when and how can we share this good news with others? Easter Sunday actions. For some of you, it's about believing. For some of you, it's about remembering. For some of you, it's about sharing.